0: Tracy Lynn Hall here. I am a GYN oncologist at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, and I am here today introducing the SGO Task Force on Board Certification. This is going to be a series of podcasts that we are setting up in addition to some events at the annual meeting to help everybody getting ready to take their oral boards. I am one of the chairs of this task force and I am joined today by two of our other leads on this task force that are going to be our speakers.
1: Hi, my name is Kristen Zellings, I'm a GYN oncologist at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York.
2: Hi, I'm Adrian Mallon. I'm a GYN oncologist in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Park Nicollet Methodist Hospital.
0: So part of our task force, we have recognized that several members who have recently taken the exam have different approaches to their caseless preparation. And we wanted to make sure and give a good resource for all of those candidates coming up this year on what we were able to be successful with with our case lists. We also have some other podcasts that are going to be coming up on the SGO website as well as through other applications such as Spotify and Apple Podcast. These are going to be focused on topics that come up on boards as well as other things that helped with our preparation. We are very excited to announce as part of this task force, we have actually been able to get a bog, to commit to joining us to discuss the logistics of the certifying exam. So they are gonna actually be joining us at the annual SGO meeting in 2023 in Tampa. So look forward to some more materials coming up on that, as well as how to register for that session. We will also, during the meeting, in addition to our ABOG partnership, we will be having some sessions to go over with participants that are taking the test, different ways to go through hypothetical cases and have some opportunities to discuss things that they want to do in order to prepare for their exam. So again, keep an eye out for our other podcasts, as well as for everything on our annual meeting coming up. We're very excited about this opportunity and could not be more excited about the Partnership that we've gotten from ABOG on this. So now to the content of this podcast, let's go ahead and get started. So what is the timeline for creating A case list for submission.
1: So candidates are typically notified to submit their case list in September. The case collection period goes from January of that year and ends on December 31st of that year.
2: If you are unable to collect enough cases in a one-year period of time, the collection of cases can be extended to 18 months or two years. The final day to edit and submit the case list is February 1st of the year you'd be taking the exam.
0: Perfect. How many cases do candidates need?
2: So
1: ABOC typically states that a case list must have sufficient numbers as well as sufficient breadth and depth of clinical difficulty to demonstrate that a candidate is practicing to the full spectrum of gynecologic oncology. A minimum of 50 patients with invasive or borderline cancer must be listed.
2: The list will include patients having radical surgical procedures, insertions of radioactive isotopes, and chemotherapy.
0: So in the past, there's been different sections in the caseless creation. What are the three sections that comprise a caseless?
2: So for this past year,
1: and looking right now for this upcoming year, cases are inserted into one of three categories. The first includes ovarian, peritoneal and fallopian tube cancer cases. That also includes all chemotherapy cases. The second category includes uterine malignancies to include endometrial cancers, sarcomas, and gestational trophoblastic disease cases. And then the third category includes cervical, vulvar, and vaginal cancer cases, and also includes within that category, radiation therapy cases.
0: Perfect. What cases do I need to make sure and include on my list when I'm going through all of my
2: patients? Your case list should include all hospitalizations. For patients with invasive and borderline gynecologic malignancies, for which you had a primary responsibility, patients with a non-invasive diagnosis, including those who had surgical procedures to rule out a malignancy, are not listed individually.
1: Surgeries performed on non-gynecologic cancers, for example, a metastatic cancer from another non-gynecologic source or a concurrent case with a colorectal Patient for a Lynch Center patient with colon cancer, for example, do not need to be included. So, in summary, your list should include any patient you have operated on for an invasive or borderline gynecologic malignancy, any gynecologic cancer patient you have admitted for non operative reasons.
2: Patients undergoing chemo radiation therapy can be included if a tandem insertion was performed. You do not need to include patients who you are treating with outpatient chemotherapy only, for example a patient with recurrent disease undergoing chemotherapy, and patients should really only be mentioned once. If a patient is admitted more than once, you can provide information regarding the additional admissions in the appropriate boxes. The list
1: of patients must also only be for those whom you have had a personal responsibility for the management and care during the indicated period of hospitalization.
0: I know back when I was making my case list, there were certain components that I needed to collect the data on for each of my patients what are these components or the columns in the case list that i need to make sure and record the data of
2: sure so the six columns on the case list will be for number one the patient age the second column will be the pre-operative or admission diagnosis the third column will be treatment information the fourth column will be the final pathologic diagnosis the fifth column will be complications and present status And the last column will be the number of nights spent in the hospital.
0: What do I need to list under that diagnosis column?
1: So a preoperative diagnosis should be recorded for each surgical procedure. For patients who have several hospital admissions during the time period of the report, The patient should be listed only once, with each hospitalization listed in chronological sequence. For non-surgical conditions, the admission diagnosis should be recorded.
2: Perfect. What should the treatment section contain? So this will include any surgical procedure performed. In addition to the surgery, any chemotherapy or radiation therapy may also be listed. Some find it helpful to be broad, for example, listing adjuvant radiation instead of adjuvant vaginal brachytherapy or adjuvant external beam radiation therapy.
0: How much information do I need to make sure and include on the pathologic diagnosis? Obviously, our path reports are really long, and I don't think all of that needs to be included.
1: Exactly. So for patients with cancer, they recommend that you include both the grade and stage of cancer in this section. In cases without tissue for histological diagnosis, the final clinical diagnosis should be listed.
0: What about complications? You know, I have to admit, complications make all of us uneasy. We want to make sure and get a list that's submitted. So I want to include everything ABOG is looking for, but I don't necessarily want to include anything more than I need to, to make my case list look nice and polished. What
2: complications do I need to make sure I list? It's really only any complication that's requiring a rehospitalization. Extended length of stay should be listed. This could include things like, you know, interoperative bowel or bladder injuries, surgical site infection, anastomotic leak, etc.
0: The last column you mentioned was present status, or I shouldn't say the last, another column that you mentioned was present status. What do we need to include there? So,
1: you know, many people include kind of the status of the patient and their current disease burden. So This may include things listing whether the patient is alive or dead. If the patient is dead, it may mention if the patient died of disease or another cause. And the current disease status may include things like no evidence of disease or undergoing chemotherapy or undergoing maintenance therapy, just for some examples.
2: What advice do you have regarding the nights of in-hospital category? For any prolonged hospital stays, I would recommend having some explanation for the prolonged stay within the complications section. For patients with multiple admissions, this is typically additive such that the total number of nights admitted is listed. When
0: we're going through these diagnoses and listing procedures and everything, this can get quite lengthy. Am I allowed to use any abbreviations in making my case list?
1: Great question. So just like with the general board, the list of approved abbreviations can be found on the ABOG website. No, I really would recommend trying to use only these abbreviations that are endorsed by ABOG. However, I also acknowledge that you may find because you're limited in the wording in various sections, you may need to use some additional abbreviations to fit everything in you want to, if you think it's important. And in these instances, I think just being consistent within your case list is the most important.
0: Now, I know once I make my case list, we do have to have affidavits that are required to be submitted. When should I have the required affidavits completed and signed?
2: Yes. So this is one of the parts that I did find confusing, but it is actually fairly simple. So an affidavit needs to be completed from each hospital that you're including as part of your case list. So you may have more than one. When you print the affidavit, it will print out the final number of patients from that specific facility. The details of each case can still be edited, after the affidavit has been printed, but the number of cases cannot be edited.
1: And you need to have the affidavits uploaded prior to submitting your case list. I recommend completing it as soon as you input all of your cases so you're not struggling to get these back in the final days before case list submission. The form typically needs to be signed by someone within medical records at each facility, but check with your respective hospital to know who should best complete this for you.
0: Now I've heard a lot of different things from people that have taken the boards about the ordering of cases when you put them into your list entry. What do you guys think about the ordering of the cases?
2: This was a question that I had of if you needed the list ordered before you actually loaded it into the ABOG site. The application within ABOG will allow you to reorder cases after you have put them in. However, some people just prefer to keep the cases in chronological order in which they were performed. Others have reordered the cases to group the similar staging or grading of cancers within each case list. It's whatever will help you the best on the test and help you remember the best. There's really no right or wrong way to order those cases.
0: I've also heard some different things when it comes to the need for maintenance and certification after I take the exam. Is that something that I'm going to need to do the year that I sit for the exam?
1: A great question. And I think we're probably not the right people to answer that officially, but I can tell you that this past year, Maintenance of certification was not required for candidates who sat for their oral boards that year. This was, however, not announced until after we completed our boards, and many of us had already completed our maintenance of certification. So it may be something you decide to wait to complete if you are taking your oral boards that year, just to see what ABOG releases. But again... I'd wait to hear the confirmatory from ABOG in regards to that.
0: This has all been such great information, and it truly makes me so excited that we have ABOG partnering with us on this endeavor. During our meeting with ABOG, we are getting excited about the fact that they are looking to pilot this person, Gynonc, and then, as we always are, possibly be the trendsetters for other specialties to have similar programs. On behalf of the task force, I'm Tracy Lynn Hall, one oncologist at Baylor College of Medicine. We are so excited to have everybody here joining us for this podcast, and please look forward to details coming up on our in-person and virtual events during the annual meeting. Thanks so much.
2: The information presented is that of the contributing faculty and presenters and does not necessarily represent the views of the Society of Gynecologic Oncology or any named company or organization providing financial support. Specific therapies discussed may not be approved and or specified for use as indicated by the faculty or presenters. If you like what you heard today, Please let us know by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and hitting the follow button wherever you're listening. If you have suggestions for future SGO On The Go podcasts, please email us directly at education at sgo.org.